It's 4.30 on Wednesday afternoon. You're tuned, you're in central Indiana. You're tuned to 91.9 FM, WITT, the home of unpredictable music and the Indie's Trusted Servant radio show. And since it's 4.30 Wednesday, you're tuned to the Indie's Trusted Servant show with yours truly, Danny O'Malley, Indie's Trusted Servant. What is Indie's Trusted Servant? Well, I do customer service training and keynote speaking um, about customer service training, all about the culture of the organization. And we're going to have a little culture uh, talk during our show today from our guest. It is all about the culture. I learned all that from uh, the master of customer service and building a great culture, and that was my late father, Joe O'Malley, at three different grocery companies, the last of which was O'Malley Food Markets. If you'd like to learn more about what I do, give me a call at 317-413-9062. The Indies Trusted Servant Show, well, I like to describe it as lively local small biz and community talk where you can feel the pulse of Indy. And today's guest is Graham Honecker. Graham is a major fundraiser at Butler University. And um, he also has written a book about Butler basketball and how Butler basketball has actually been used to enhance Butler University in areas besides basketball, in addition to basketball. And uh, Graham, uh, welcome to the show. Danny, thank you so much for having me. Honored to be here today. Well, it's great to have you. I always ask my guest to tell us a little bit about him or herself before we get into the, 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 the topic. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became a fundraiser at Butler University, where you went to school, what you studied, and if you got a family, tell us a little bit about that real quick. Absolutely, and, and I mentioned this in the book at the onset. I grew up a Indiana basketball fanatic, even though I was a military kid and moved all around the country. A friend of mine gave me, or my dad actually gave me the book, Hoosiers, by a guy named Phil Hose, who's also from Speedway area, and it impacted my life greatly. So grew up loving Indiana basketball, Used to go to Coach Knight's camp as a kid. That's that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up in the fundraising world. I was at the University of Louisville with their business school for several years. And then the, the, those two final fours really got my attention. I'd gone, <laughs> I'd gone to a small private liberal arts school in North Carolina called Wake Forest. Who, oh, but, the Demon but, Deacons. Butler beat them pretty bad in the uh, 2001 tournament. And Put my application in about nine years and have been here ever since and, and loved it. We love living in Indianapolis. Awesome. When we get off the air, we'll have to talk about two people. Uh, Bill Shover, we talked about already, and another friend of mine, Skip Prosser. <laughs> great who, guy. Who left Xavier for Wake Forest. And I got a great quote from Skip Prosser. Love for Skip you. Prosser. Uh, he was a wonderful human being. Well, so when did you come to Butler? I came to Butler in January of 2013, so oh, I'm in, in my ninth year. Okay, before that, how about family? I've got a wife, Sarah, who works at IU Riley Hospital. Uh, she's a sleep psychologist. So Ooh. Anybody having sleep issues, she's I'll the person to see her to sometime. To <laughs> <laughs> and I've got two great daughters. My daughter, Kate, is 12 years old, and a daughter, Bella, who is 9 years old. Okay, 12, and where do they go to school? We've got one at the Orchard School and one at St. Richard's. Okay, very good, very good. So now we're going to talk a little bit about what we're really here to talk about, and that is your book about Butler basketball and how basically the final four, but even before the final four, Butler was using basketball to enhance the university. And we, we talked off the air. For those of you who 
do know me, you know I'm a big Xavier University basketball fanatic, and Butler's my second favorite team. I got my master's in English at Butler and grew up a Butler and Tony Hinkle fan. And the, 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 both schools have used basketball to greatly enhance their, their, uh, their recruiting of regular students, their fundraising and everything. And what is your book called and when is it coming out? It is called The Cinderella Strategy, The Game Plan Behind Butler University's Rise to Prominence, and really exciting. I've been talking about it for months, and finally I can say it's shipping in a couple weeks. And where will we be able to find the book? You can find it on our publisher's website, which is www.pedimentpediment.com. It's also on Barnes and Noble's uh, you, website you can, right now. Can you go to Barnes and Noble and pick up a copy? You sure can. Um, we're still waiting. We're still waiting oh, to find out. Okay, okay. If the sales are good enough on the website, they'll have it in store. Ah. And then you can also now buy it on Amazon. Okay. Well, and don't forget, if I forget and we get too far and it gets close to the end, I want you to repeat all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I know you. there's a lot of Butler fans out there listening and a lot of basketball fans and a lot of people that are just interested in all the good stuff going around Indianapolis. Uh, so I always ask my guests to send me some bullet points that they may want to talk about. And the first bullet point on his list was the risk of putting a single sport at the foundation of a university's whole strategy. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Danny, great question. Originally, the concept was going to be those two Final Fours and then the decade after. The book evolved really into a 30-year span, a 30-year arc going back to the late 1980s where our president, Jeff Bannister, uh, got together with Barry Collier. Barry's really the hero of the book. He was the head basketball coach at the time, and they they crafted this strategy. Bannister was actually from New Zealand. I so, remember. So yeah. he, was a native, he was not a native Hoosier, but he was a geographer by trade. And he realized, hey, we're in Indiana. Basketball, I think, is popular here. We've got this unique resource in Hinkle Fieldhouse. We need to put more resources into men's basketball. And you had given me a statistic that blew me away about how many season ticket holders Butler had in 1989. It still blows me away every time I talk about it. Fifteen. Fifteen paid season ticket holders. That's not very many. <laughs> no, no. Uh, obviously, things have changed quite a bit. Um, but uh, as early as 89, Bannister and, and, and Barry Collier thought maybe this would be the way to help grow the whole university, right? Yeah, it was, it was a roll of the dice. Even in the mid-'80s, there was talk of, you know, should we be even in Division One? you know? Right. Post Xavier had the same thing in the mid-'70s. Right. We, we, got, we got a head start on you guys. Right. But... Post Tony Hinkle, you know, the program had fallen on hard times. Yeah. We talk about diminished attendance and, and lack of notoriety. So there was a risk. You know, we talk about in the book, we interviewed some faculty, and they said, you know, half the campus laughed when they heard about this strategy, that, geez, this isn't going to work. We haven't been good in a long time. And so there is some risk. But our president will tell you there's, there's a lot more risk into investing that in big-time football. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, basketball, we have 15 scholarships, smaller. And, and, you know, we trace this in the book as well. There have been some other great Cinderella's, very, very small schools that would have had a hard time doing that with, say, well, with football. Again, football. And Xavier's the same way. A absolutely. Absol same size school. We dropped football in 73. I was very upset about it. But I said, if we get our basketball program we want it to be, 
that'll make up for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think the other thing, Danny, is we have about 12 strategy principles in the book, and, and one of them is patience. That turnaround did not happen overnight. It, it, it's a long haul. It is a long haul. Butler finally got into the NCAA tournament in the late 90s. Consistent, started getting yeah. consistently. And yeah. the rest, you can say, is history. But it would have been easy to give up on that three or four years in where, where again, there was a lot of skepticism, but they kept plowing forward. Well, and the, th- and the thing is, it's kind of like a, if you build it, they, were com- they will come strategy. With the city of Indianapolis has used sports. Right. And we, you know, we all know about all of that. If you don't do something, what are you going to do? Right? Exactly. Or are you going to stay where you are now, kind of stuck in the mud maybe? Right. Exactly. Uh, and I think now if you look at it, this book was actually written pre-po- uh, pre-pandemic, although we updated the epilogue. You look back and think, gosh, darn it. I'm, I'm sure glad we did that, you know, oh. because it's it's such a competitive landscape in higher education. It's going to be competitive even further. Unfortunately, we saw it with St. Joseph's up in Rensselaer. Yes, yes. Um, you, you've got to have a unique brand. You've got to be doing something. It doesn't have to be men's basketball, but you've got to set yourself apart, and, and fortunately for us, it has. Absolutely. You know, smaller smaller footprint, but Marion College here in Indianapolis, Marion University now, they brought football on, mm-hmm. but they brought that medical school on. Exactly. And that's kind of the, you know, they got a lot of other good stuff, too. Exactly. Nursing school and business school and stuff. But you're right. you got to set yourself apart. Uh, and and basketball in Indiana is a good way to do it. Well, we're going to be back with Graham Honaker, a whole lot more about this Butler strategy about basketball, but how it has enhanced the university. But we got to take our underwriter break, and i got to tell you about next week's show as well. Uh, our underwriter is uh, Open in Indiana, your destination for finding the people, places, things, and events that make Indiana a great place to live, work, do business, and visit. If you own a business in Indiana, list your business and your events with www.openinindiana.com. That's www.openinindiana.com to get started. You can follow Open in Indiana on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And not only is Open in Indiana an underwriter of the Indy's Trusted Servant Show, but you can also go to Open in Indiana and find prior episodes of the Indies Trusted Servants Show clear back through October of 19. So thanks to Ryan Henry and Open in Indiana for all that support. We also want to thank our host for the studios here uh, at the Indies Trusted Servant Show on 91.9 FM and all that unpredictable music, and that is My Pet Carnivore, a pet food distribution warehouse in Fountain Square on Shelby Street uh, where Paul and Suzanne and their extremely busy staff distribute healthy, frozen, mostly dog and cat food, but pet food, to pet food owners only, no stores, in 48 states. So any guest that comes in and does the show will say, yep, I saw trucks backed up and loading and unloading, and I saw forklifts buzzing around here, and stacks and stacks of this healthy frozen dog food so thanks to my pet carnivore next week's guest will be my good friend arnie goldberg arnie of course is uh, got the other radio show on this station uh he has the dac foundation which helps raise money uh to take care of uh, retired service dogs and uh, arnie has an interesting story about his dog dac who passed away about a year ago and a foundation that he started to raise more money, and that's the Dak and Diane Goldberg. His Arnie lost his wife Diane 
sometime uh, between a year ago and now. And he'll also talk about the Black History Museum here in Indianapolis, as well as Arnie's music. So you don't want to miss that show. Now, back to Grant Honecker, Graham Honecker from Butler University, and we were just getting into the whole strategy thing about uh, using the basketball program to enhance the rest of the university. And, of course, the two final fours kind of came in the middle of all of this, but it went back as far as 89 with uh, – with, um, uh, president at the time, Jeff Bannister, and uh, the, the, uh, he was the coach at the time. Barry Collier. Later yeah. became the athletic director. Uh, so they started in 89. Now, when they had with, with 15 season ticket holders, how many season ticket holders do they have now? We've got, I think, north of 3,300. And, and now we average about, I think, 8,300 a game, yeah. r- roughly in that neighborhood, which is – it's in another galaxy these days. I mean, it, you've really gone to a new galaxy. It is another galaxy. And it's amazing, as a little kid here in Indianapolis and my dad taking me to Butler basketball games, you would have that 8,300 fans, right, in the 50s and in through maybe the mid-60s. And then, like you mentioned, with the retirement of Tony Hinkle, things kind of went downhill mm-hmm. for a while, and you'd have very small crowds um, and it, no, no real income off the basketball program or really off athletics at all. Right. And, you know, Hinkle was also in disrepair. Yes, he, yes. There's a story about when the directors for Hoosiers came in to film it in 1986 that they came in and said, we don't need to do anything to make this look, look like 1954 because <laughs> yeah, it already does. It still does. It still does. <laughs> they still had all, all bleachers and, and, mm-hmm. and everything. And uh, I, it's another thing we can talk about off the air was when we had this great high school basketball tournament here with single – class and uh, the sectionals would have 14 schools in Hinkle Fieldhouse was then called Butler Fieldhouse and what that atmosphere was like it can never be duplicated uh, it was a fabulous had, uh, it was a fabulous atmosphere you could fit 15,000 in with, with the bleachers but probably 16,000 when the fire marshal wasn't looking well that's right that's right and there were there were some high school games that, that had that kind of <laughs> had that kind of crowd but back to the Butler thing. Uh, so, so it began in '89. Kind of take us through the the rest of the trajectory here, and then we can veer off into what good has it done the rest of the university. Sure. Well, again, the the hero, in my opinion, of the book, and there are a number of heroes, but was Barry Collier. You know, he had that belief. He went up. The famous story. He went up to Wisconsin and talked with uh, Dick Bennett, Tony Bennett's father came back with those principles that were the foundation of the Butler way. So he was not only building a program, he was building a culture and, yep. and slowly started to win, broke through, I believe it was 97, got into the NCAA tournament, started to go back, lost a heartbreaking game to Florida. Oh, I remember watching that game. <laughs> In 2000, there's then a coaching transition. Barry goes to Nebraska. Todd right. Licklider comes in. You know, we could talk further, but the rest, again, is history. But one of the amazing things, and I talked about it last week, Gonzaga is the closest comparison I give. Xavier would be another one, but Gonzaga. They've really done it. Really done it, but they've had one coach for the majority of that. Where We've had six, really, since 1989. And so has Xavier. Yeah, so the the culture, the glue, has, has kept that going. And then the Final Fours, obviously, to me, was like winning the Powerball. Although I say there was a lot of hard work in that. It just wasn't luck. But then the Powerball 
again, really paved yeah. the way to this new galaxy. Yeah, well, that's 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 the dream when you start this thing, right? But but there was momentum going before that, absolutely, and it, and it would still be great without that. But that certainly has helped quite a bit. Um, the, the culture thing, it's important to understand, and, and this is what I do in my in, in my business with customer service. My dad used to use Butler's basketball program to teach me about culture. He would say, now this Butler team on paper shouldn't beat this Michigan team, but they'll be better fundamentally, okay? And Tony Hinkle would only recruit players that would work in that system. Right. But you might say the same thing about hiring coaches, and athletic directors and staff members, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does trace back, actually, to Tony Hinkle and, and that foundation. But, you know, with those coaches, if you look at the hires, they've all been hired really from within. Yeah. A, a former player, a, an assistant coach. A big foundation of that is they understood mm -hmm. Butler. They understood the Butler way, the culture. They knew what we stood for. And I'd say even on the academic side, that is looked upon often when you're when you're looking at a resume and interviewing someone, it's it's can they fit here? Yes. Can they fit in the culture? And I think what's key to Butler's also they haven't changed the identity. Even after the Final Fours, you know, we put a cap on enrollment. We're not going to go above five thousand because that might jeopardize who we are as yes. a small intimate school. Yes. We're not gonna I'm not knocking the one and dones, but we're gonna we're gonna stick with the model. Of I was the gonna three I and four gonna, year guys. I was gonna kind of contrast butler with right. with the one and duns and right. some of the one and duns aren't doing so well this year <laughs> we won't mention any names but yeah you're not going to hire a one and done coach you're going to hire a coach that works within the butler culture not just the basketball culture but the overall culture of the university and that's important and i, I think butler if you look at it, has really been successful with some of those high school players that have slipped under the radar the keelan martins the kamar baldwins that other programs didn't see maybe as a one and done, but boy, they were outstanding four-year well, players. And they might and, stay four years. And there are a number yeah, of yeah. number of others on that list. Yeah. Um, well, let's go back a little bit to the the beginning. And you mentioned the the rest of the the school and 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 the, and the staff. There was some resistance to this, uh, which naturally there might be. Talk about that just a little bit more. Well, this before your time, I realize. Again, there was a bit of resistance. In that, on the academic side, is like, hey, what are we, we're going to put all our eggs into this athletic basket? Are we going to, are we going to take resources from the academic side? You yeah. didn't have the recent history that gave people the faith and the confidence. And and I'd say even after the Final Fours, when we moved into the Big East, there was this doubt of, boy, are we going to change who we are? Are we going to change our identity in the process? I think we've come a long way with that. There's been a quite a bit of collective acceptance of change and that the university's on board and has now seen the rewards that the basketball program has given back. And, and frankly, as you mentioned, always been a great place. The, the, ba the basketball just allowed that front porch effect, Danny, to, to shed light on what was going on. Absolutely. We're going to come back to that and talk about the advantages to the rest of the university in our last segment. You're listening to the Indies Trusted Servant Show on 91.9 FM. WITT every Wednesday at 4.30. You'll hear lively local small biz and community talk from yours truly, Danny O'Malley, Indy's trusted servant. Next week's guest will be Arnie Goldberg, my good friend. Um, and he's going to talk about his DAC Foundation, which raises money for uh, retired service animals, for their health care and their overall health. 
and he's also going to talk about the Black History Museum, and he's going to talk about his love for music and his his band. So Arnie's Arnie's a man of many uh, flavors. You'll enjoy him if you haven't met him yet. We want to thank our underwriter for the show. That's Open in Indiana. Open in Indiana is your destination for finding the people, places, things, and events that make Indiana a great place to live, work, and visit, and do business. If you own a business in Indiana, you can list your business and your events with www.openinindiana.com to get started. Follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. And I want to thank Ryan Henry and Open in Indiana for hosting uh, old Indies Trusted Servant shows. You can go on Open in Indiana and find all the interviews I've done from today back through October of 19, and I guarantee you there's some interesting stuff there. And we want to thank the host for our studio, and that is My Pet Carnivore, a pet food distribution warehouse on Shelby Street in Fountain Square, where Paul and Suzanne and their extremely busy staff, well, man, they d distribute healthy frozen pet food to pet food owners only in 48 states. And uh, you can guess the two states they're not in yet, but I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, trucks are in and out of here all the time. So back to Graham Honiger with uh, Butler University. And uh, let's talk about some of the advantages that Butler has gleaned from this emphasis on basketball. Yeah, that was the other inspiration in writing the book. That's how I actually got started was even back when I started at Butler in 2013 was seeing the ripple effects. And you came as a fundraiser. I did. So, I did. Right. So you can see how that's helping you. It's been very beneficial to me. From the philanthropy side, our endowment has grown $100 million since 2010, which is a pretty big jump. We've had three of our finest fundraising years on record. Received our largest gift ever, $25 million from Andre and Julia Lacey, who did not attend Butler. The kids didn't attend Butler. But great, they had, great community servants they are. Unbelievable. But they had such respect for where Butler had come from or was and that Butler's values, again, going back to culture, align with their family values. Yes, yes, absolutely. What about the student recruitment? Probably the most significant statistic, Danny, in terms of this is a time really the last decade when enrollment applications have declined, particularly for small private schools. Right. Ours have doubled. When I started in, in 2012 – we had 6,500 applications that year. Two years ago, we had close to 17,000. Do you know what you had before the final fours? I'd have to look back. It's in the book. I'm, I'm jogging my memory after trying to get down here with the snowy roads. Yeah. But it, it, would have been, it would have been less than 6,500, but just such a significant jump. Even last fall, in the midst of a pandemic, we enrolled our third largest class ever. So you think about, does that halo effect go away after the first two or three years? We're still seeing that. We're still seeing it. We, uh, we've also had a change in demographic. Ten years ago, Butler had 60% uh, in-state, 40% out-of-state. It's flipped. We're now 60% out-of-state, 40% in-state because that notoriety, but also the move to the Big East. Now you see more students from Absolutely. D.C., from New York coming, coming to campus. Yeah, and, and uh, I can say Xavier's had the same exact effect with the Big East. Uh, now, another challenge, though, is as you get better and you get more fans, the expenses rise. Mm -hmm. So you have the challenge of people who've supported you for a long time but don't want to spend any more money than they're spending now but expect to have the same level of seating or whatever. <laughs> That's been a challenge, right? 
that is a that's been a great challenge and we've had we have phenomenal fans loyal passionate absolutely uh, you know great fans who 10 years ago were making a very generous gift and i appreciate all gifts that come into the university but now but the expectation has really climbed to get those mid-court seats to get lower level seats right and so the culture of philanthropy has had to grow as the university's grown. Right, and you, you it's really a kind of, you have to educate your supporters. Everybody's not Andre Lacy, right? So, so some of them are stretching themselves, uh, you, right? You know what I say too is that we didn't just enter the Big East on the basketball side. We entered it, you know, on the academic side. And if, now we're competing against Georgetown that's got a two billion with a B endowment. Yeah. So not yeah. taking anything away from, you know, UW Green Bay, but you're now going up against these schools that are, are talented in basketball but have these phenomenal facilities, big endowments. You're you're playing in a new league, literally right. literally and metaphorically. Not not to pick out anybody, but I don't think we'll hurt any feelings here. I was at a uh, I was watching Cathedral High School play basketball in the Coliseum mm-hmm. last year or two years ago. Of course IUPUI plays in the Coliseum and they had the the uh, banners of all the schools and back in the MCC Xavier was in the MCC Butler was in the MCC University of Detroit another private mm-hmm. school was in the MCC and this league is the old MCC right, right. you meant you know a lot of directional schools nothing wrong with that but Detroit is still there uh, Xavier and Butler are in the Big East right. and it's paying off and I don't really know what kind of financial situation University of Detroit's in but they're not in the Big East. <laughs> well, think about those dominoes that fell. And, you know, for as well as we were doing, there are a couple quotes in the book that without those two Final Fours, Butler most likely doesn't get invited to the Big East. Possibly, yeah. And, and you've had some other great Cinderella's, the Virginia Commonwealth, the George Masons. Right, right. Yet they're, they that didn't, one step, they didn't get to a right. conference like the Big East. So if you look at it, that invitation really is more of a sustaining impact than the two final fours, which can fade from memory. Hard to believe it's been 10 years. I know. But, but, but that's a sustaining impact is that now that membership into the Big East Conference. Yes, big time, big time. And all, all very big time basketball schools, but all very good academic institutions. Obviously, big news from the Big East is that this year, UConn has rejoined mm-hmm. the Big East, making Butler and UConn the only two non-Catholic schools <laughs> And UConn, the only public school in the Big East. And none of these schools, except for UConn, try to play football at a high level at all. Which is really an ideal conference for Butler to be in. By the way, they gave our president, Jim Danko, a a collar when we entered the league to make him feel more comfortable with the Catholic schools. Uh, (laughs) Oh, did they really? (laughs) But, you know, and I love our football program. It's a great, great place to take a family and, and work competitive. But, you know, where basketball is the forefront, these are small schools for the most part, and it's just a great league for Butler well, to be in. Well, b- basically, basketball plays for all, pays for all the minor sports exactly. if you're at that level. Exactly. Although, uh, although with all these schools, if you think about it, there's a lot of pressure on those basketball teams to win. Well, we're almost out of time, but we, we would be remiss if we didn't touch on the live mascot program. <laughs> so you got about a minute to talk about the live mascot program in blue. Well, you think about what's helped extend the story. You had the Butler way, but you also have this really brilliant live mascot program, which was originated by a guy named Michael Kaltemark, who I, I consider a marketing genius. And 
probably your audience has seen some of the things on Twitter, Facebook, the number of followers he has. But we did a we brought the dog around to all those new cities, Philadelphia and Boston, to meet Butler alumni and the media. So that dog has helped extend the uh, story. I think the final thing that's been really creative is Michael came up with the idea of rather than get your acceptance letter in the mail, why don't you have the dog personally deliver it to you? So you think about the impact. Well, how, and, you mean and, online the dog delivers it to you? Or no, in person. In well, how person. does he do that if the kid's from Connecticut? Well, <laughs> uh, primarily around the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. you know, going to a school in Chicago where maybe five uh, students have been accepted. and That's you, pretty you cool. You think about, you know. That's good marketing. No doubt. That's good marketing. Um, okay, well, Graham Honecker, Butler University. We just got enough time for you to tell us the name of the book and how to get the book. Yeah, again, the Cinderella strategy, the game plan behind Butler University's rise to prominence. It can be found on our publisher website, www.pedimentpedimen.com, Barnes and Nobles, or Amazon. Okay, and the hope is that to get it live in a Barnes and Noble bookstore if it sells well enough. I'm knocking on wood right now. That, that is the hope, because I still like visiting bookstores, and I'd love to see it on the shelves. You got it. Graham Honecker, Butler University, go dogs. Thank Thanks you so much, Dan. Thank you for having me. All right.